Ooh, welcome aboard to Marantine Sports Talk. Um, and today uh, I'm joined with uh, Simon Marantine, my brother. How are you doing? Good, how are you? Glad to be here. Good, yeah. And today on this podcast, of we will talk about F1. Um, of course, the, the crazy race that happened in the United Kingdom. Um, but before that, like always, it's July 4th tomorrow. So we're going to do a July 4th special. Um... You know, um, buckle your uh, seatbelts and uh, let's get ready. Let's kick it off. Um, let, let me. You want to open it or, or should I open? It? Oh, well, let me explain. It, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. That should be. That should be. So how this special is going to work? We we're it's fantasy football. So basically, we are gonna pick a player who this season is gonna have one boom game, maybe two, maybe three, and people are gonna get two in on them. And you shouldn't pick them up on the waiver wires. You shouldn't pick pick them now because they're just gonna be that boom, one game. And don't don't sell on this. And we're gonna give you those those players that so you know about them. Um, and that's just like July Fourth, what comes once in a year and makes a big boom. So uh, Simon, you can kick it off with your first player. Yeah, I will say one thing: drafting these players if they have a good week, week one, week two. Definitely, definitely a guy you could trade and get a lot of good value from. But uh, when Caleb reached out to me first about this, immediately, immediately my mind just goes Russell Wilson. Obviously, he does a little better than just a few boom bu- boom games, but Russell Wilson always seems to drop off north, towards the end of the season when you need him most, which is just not what you want in your fantasy football quarterback. And I just think... Starting with the Broncos, I could totally see him having a great week early on in the season and then just dropping off and not not uh, playing at such a high level the rest of the season. I've got to disagree with you here. Okay. Um, I'm not the biggest supporter of Russell Wilson, but I wouldn't pick, put him in this category. I think he has great wide receivers and a great team around him, and he's been playing against tough teams. He's going to have to pass. That yeah, there's there's an option that yes, he doesn't have that many boom games, but that doesn't mean you know he's a he's a July Fourth player, um, and he's just gonna have that one two boom, or he's gonna fall off at the end of the season because nothing's pointed that. Maybe there's a couple injuries, and maybe that's how it happens. But um, you know, unless injuries are to happen to this wide receiver, tight end, running back core then I don't see that happening in a late-season drop-off like he has in Seattle before. Okay, we'll just have to see. I think Russell Wilson's a great player, but we'll have to see. You know, and now I'm going to go to my... And like you said, you know, before, how a lot of these players are trade values. But but I want to go someone else who's not really a trade value because they're not going to have that week one, week two. And that expression might be a little bit different than that. But like you said, they're not going to be this. So they're not going to be that week one, week two, then you can trade them away. This is Raham J. Stevenson, running back for the New England Patriots, going around, I think, the 97th pick, if I am correct. Um, And that's just too high for me, first of all. But the thing is, he's going to be given the ball. He's not going to be given end zone carries. So he's going to be consistently getting seven, eight, six points a game. And then, yeah, a couple games, he'll break free and score a 67-yard touchdown. Because he's not going to have red zone touchdowns. So maybe 40 yards, 
50 yards, a couple games, and that you're going to be happy with that. Is he even on your starting lineup for that? Probably not. So it's not worth it. And don't trade for him if he has a nice game. Avoid at all costs, Ramsey Stevenson. You know, I'm not, I don't think he's going to have a horrible season when you add up all the points. Look at the stats. When you have him on your team, you're not going to want him. Yeah, I will just say, just in general, my experience with Patriots running backs is they just they just move it around too much for any of them to be that good. Okay, I'm going to disagree with you here. Whoa. I'm big on Damien Harris this season running back for really? the New England Patriots because he will get every single red zone carry. Takes more than red zone carries to be good as an as a running back. It's just too too much inconsistency in a guy that just relies on touchdowns. Is it inconsistency to get twenty touchdowns a season? If he's able to get twenty touchdowns, touchdowns a, season. a season, then no. But but scoring twenty touchdowns a season is unrealistic for most 16, guys. Sixteen, twelve. He's done it before because the running back thirteen last season. Yeah, no. I think he's not not a bad option. I just don't think I don't I don't think his ceiling is that much higher. Okay. Yeah. So. And, can I can I go yeah. on to my next guy? My yeah. next guy, actually, another guy on the Patriots, a guy that you might not be expecting, but actually, Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones had some games last year where he was really good. I could see him having some games early on where he just has a really good game, throwing a lot. But I just think a majority of the season, Mac Jones is going to do what that offense does, which is run the ball, and it doesn't revol- revolve around a, a passing offense. It doesn't revolve around Mac Jones throwing a lot of touchdowns. And I think Mac Jones is an extremely talented quarterback, so he's going to have those weeks where he throws a lot of touchdowns and throws for a lot of yards and maybe runs a bunch. But on an average game, he's not going to. Yeah. Um, well, there, there's a couple players, you know, I, I've been debating about um, picking. Um, at first, it was two players. One player was a player, and I'm going to talk about both of them. Because we, I said two to three. I think you don't have another one, if that's correct. One more. One more. Okay, so let, let me let me mention one of them, and this is going to be one that yes, is going to be a guy that maybe you can trade after week one or two. This is Nico Collins. Mechie is on the Houston Texans as well as Nico Collins. Nico Collins is a second receiver and really only other receiving option until Mechie does return the rookie wide receiver who got injured in the SEC uh, championship. So that leaves room for week one and two improvements. And that's a boom, week one and two, yes. Okay, yeah, hopefully it can be a boom. And then, steep downfall. And he's never going to be the same. Because Mechie's going to come in, he's going to chip, he's going to chip, he's going to chip, and then he's going to be a top wide receiver. That's my outlook on Mechie. And, you know, that means Nico Collins, yeah, he'll be good in the beginning of the season. Then there's going to be a steep downfall. He's going to go right down the mountain. Yeah, I don't know if any of the guys on that team are going to be top wide receivers in this Brandon league. Cooks, you, you, you not into Brandon Cooks? Because I'm very into it. Please speak up. Um, I'm very not very into I'm very into Brandon Cooks. He's very consistent at the wide receiver 24. I think he is a steal. But that, that you can say that for another day as you would jump in. Mm-hmm. To your other, to your another one. Um, my last guy is uh, Kareem Hunt. I just think. Oh with, my God! No, with, no, you you stop talking. Kareem Hunt is my biggest supporter this season. Really? He is one of my, you know, one of my favorite players to pick this season. Every mock draft, every draft I'm gonna do, I'm gonna pick Kareem Hunt. 
I will say this take is contingent on what happens to Deshaun Watson. I think we if know Deshaun what Watson, to Watson, what do you think? He's suspended a year. It's pretty a year, obvious. It sounds like it, based on the reports I've been getting, it sounds like it's only going to be four or less, and that he's getting no. It's, no, it sounds that, like NFL NFL found him guilty of no charges. That was not the reports, though. The recent reports have said he's going to be. It was leaked he was going to be suspended a year. My sources have not been telling me that. Okay, um, but it, it 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 seems like he will get suspended a year, unless you have different sources than me, and uh, I wouldn't expect that to be. Um, I mean, we we will have to see. I think Deshaun has extremely talented lawyers working for him, and we will just have to see what happens with the case. But I think if Deshaun is suspended four games, I think. Kareem Hunt will have a great four games, and I think we'll drop from there. I think if Deshaun Watson is suspended the whole season, Kareem Hunt will do more so of what he's been doing in the past few years, which is being a good yeah, running back, season, too. Because it's what Jacoby Brissett a little bit worse and a little bit more of a dump-off guy than Baker Mayfield, even. Maybe, maybe. I think, regardless, Kareem Hunt isn't going to be a top-ten running back just because he's not the top running back on his team, so... But that's running. not what we're talking about. We're not talking about busts here or avoids. We're talking about players that are just going to boom games. Yeah. And, yes, I, I understand. And I think Kareem Hunt is a boom guy just because of, of a running back and their touchdown possibilities. And I don't think he's going to be a guy who's going to get enough yards a game to be fantasy relevant, which is why I think he's going to get a few touchdowns here or there, maybe have two touchdowns in one game, and those are going to be his boom games, and other than that, he'll have, like, six-point games. And he'll still be a great player just because of how talented he is, but I don't think he'll be all that. I really do believe in Kareem Hunt as a player, and this year, you know, he's being underdrafted. So so I don't see where you're coming from. Okay. But, you know, I'm not I'm not going to completely – I see if where you're coming from if it is those reports are true, that Deshaun Watson – is going to be um, suspended only four games, but it seems like a season, at least to my sources, um, reports. I'm trying to pull up uh, Kareem Hunt's stats right here. Um, one sec. Last season finished at the running back 22 for average points per game. Only played eight games, so it's not a big sample size. But why now is he being picked at running back 29 with an improvement of dump-offs? I think... With Jacoby Brissett, you have a worse QB than Baker Mayfield. I just think that offense just won't be as... You have more passing. You have more dump-offs. I think that offense just won't be as powerful. I think, regardless, I think Kareem Hunt's almost maximum, unless unless Chubb gets injured, is around running back 22. So I don't think... Then why is he being picked at running back 29? Because when your maximum is only RB 22, okay. you're, but not, his bust? you're not going to get picked at I don't 20. see a, a path where he's does His bust season. could be pretty bad. Like, I mean, he's an RB 2. Like, if he doesn't get touchdowns, he's not going to be fantasy relevant. Okay. I disagree with you, and we'll see how that turns out. But mm-hmm. um, let me talk about my last one, and this is another one that, that does go under the category that is not just the guy who's going to have that week one and two um, and then trade him away. Unlike Nico Collins, my last pick. And this is Tim Patrick. Okay. A wide receiver for the Denver Broncos. He's one of those bad guys, and I could pick any of these Broncos wide receivers. I'm not big on any of them. They're okay. all going to have their boom games. Okay. Tim Patrick more than anyone because, you know, he's he's a, basically a tight end with his target share. Not going to be a lot of targets. Maybe some red zone targets. And, yeah, he scores five, four touchdowns games. Eh. Okay, good good game those games. Five touchdowns in one game? No, five, four, five touchdowns a season. Okay. 
and that, you know, those are the games he wins, and maybe that he has two in a game, and then, you know, he's three good games by the end of the season. Okay. And that that just, like, doesn't appeal to me. That is a July 4th uh, special uh, pick, at least. You know, he just falls under that category very well, I feel like. Gotcha. That makes sense. That feels like a very reasonable take right there. Okay, so that was the July 4th special. Uh, happy, happy July 4th to everyone. Um, Thank you. Happy July 4th, people. Um, yeah, well, let's continue to the F1 community where Simon is going to, you know, walk us through as we all talk about it all with a little bit of discussion with him. Let's jump into this first part of this race. Um, there's a big crash early. Zao, dangerous, scary crash. You don't want to get too deep into it because it was very scary to a lot of people. Russell's out. Albon's out. Um, you know, and talk. I, I want to also talk about the Russell, how why he was eliminated. Uh, but you, you jump into it first. Yeah, so Guan Yu Zhou essentially got taken out his rear wheel and essentially straight flipped over, which shouldn't really happen in the way F1 cars are built right now. But he did, and he went sliding a good 100 meters or so before getting flipped over and tossed upright then. And really, this is this is just such a testament. This is such a testament to the halo. I mean, just the, the, the level of F1 engineering to be able to keep him safe through that whole crash and the fact that he's doing okay right now is just, it's just insanely impressive, and we need to take a moment to appreciate that. Going on, I think... This was probably the best race of the season. I think it was just exciting all around, but definitely the most important thing is glad to see that Guan Yu Zhou is all right, and so is uh, Alex Albon, who also got taken to the medical center to be checked on. But they're both doing all right, and that's the most important part, and yeah. Well, I want to talk about, people are questioning why Russell couldn't return, and I just want to sum it up for everyone. Why Russell couldn't return is basically, he ran out of his car to check on uh, Zhao um, to make sure he was okay, and then he ran to get assistance um, from from the team um, to help with his car. When he was coming back, his car was already being lifted away. Now he, he had car he had already came for assistance, and he the, he was already eliminated. So even though his car could have been, it was a little bit of a mistake, and he could have fixed it. They they could have fixed it in five minutes. Um, but there was, you know, that he ran out and tried to get them and, you know, he got screwed a little bit. Yeah, I think I will say the level of crash that Russell went through, I think even if they had gotten the car fixed up to the point where it could have driven, I don't think that car would have been competitive. I think just too many little things wrong with the the body will just affect your downforce level so much that you just won't be able to be competitive in that race. What do you think the next big thing happened in, in this race? You know, I think... There's a, another crash a little bit later. Is that the next bigger thing? No. Well, I think Im- immediately that, that, that red flag, the way the red flag came out after Verstappen had passed signs, mm-hmm. and then the after the red flag, they reset it to set signs back ahead and reset all those changes, which there were some big changes. I mean, Lewis Hamilton put his car up into third, which could have drastically changed the race if he was ahead of Charles Leclerc starting at the restart instead of behind him and Checo Perez. But, yeah, so some big changes there, and then the race got back up and started, and excitement started right from the get-go. Yeah, well, that, that just like you said, excitement started. Yeah. You know, science <clears throat> kept Verstappen off barely, some nice plays. Leclerc tried to push it out the outside. He couldn't. Tons of excitement, and you, you can, you want to. Yeah, I mean, it was just exciting racing all around. I mean, I think just the biggest thing I've gotten from today 
is not anything about a team or a racer. Just the biggest thing is just that that this Silverstone track is the best on the grid. I mean, there's really it. It can't be replicated anywhere. That just those fast corners are just that they're just beautiful to watch. Beautiful to watch the cars go through, and especially some of the battling we saw today was just fantastic. Yeah, and and now moving on, the next uh, really big thing that happened is, you know, Leclerc takes the lead on uh, Sainz and Hamilton about the 32nd lap, I would say. Um, Leclerc, Sainz, Hamilton, that's the order, if I'm correct. And there's a crash. Uh, was it was B, uh, it was the, was it Vettel or was it Stroll? Who went out there? You remember them? Uh, I well, can't, s- someone does go. Can't out. actually remember. Yeah, I think. Well, good. I think the the bigger thing that you're missing also is Verstappen's problem with his his rear just losing oh, yeah. the grip and having to come in and pit a couple times. I think he still ended up with a seventh place finish, which is still solid with how rough his car sounded to drive today. But that was big. I mean, Verstappen looked poised to totally win the race, dominant in dominant fashion, and then sort of got unlucky with that and was gave uh signs Leclerc and Hamilton the chance to all fight for the win. And then as I said, you know, signs and Hamilton in about the thirty second lap with that yellow flag pull into the pit lane. Um they both get new tires. No, uh, well that that was much later. What was going on around the the twentieth and that mid range laps is I think signs was in first, Leclerc pushing behind, Hamilton a little behind that, cutting the gap because Signs didn't really have the pace that Leclerc had. Leclerc was pushing on the radio for them to let him pass Signs so that he could build up a larger gap from Hamilton. And Hamilton all the while kind of coming closer and the Ferrari team just telling them to fight it out. Eventually, they got to the point where they pitted Signs probably a little earlier than they would have liked. Hamilton continued to catch uh, Charles Leclerc. Leclerc now losing out on not having that slipstream advantage from Signs, So he didn't really have the pace that he might have thought. And then what ended up happening is Leclerc pitted and Hamilton stayed out on track for much longer and then eventually coming into pit, hoping to come out in front of uh, Carlos Sainz behind Charles Leclerc, but had a bad pit stop, which might have screwed his chances at the race win. And then a few laps later, we get a safety car. Charles Leclerc still in first, opts not to pit, whereas Sainz and Hamilton both pit coming on new softs coming in for the last 15 laps, which is when this race just got taken to a whole nother level and just insanely exciting. Yeah, well, I think if you're a Sainz uh, fan, or a Ferrari, or I guess not Ferrari, Sainz fan, <clears throat> and you were watching this race, you thought there was no chance before that yellow flag and he and Hamilton pitted because he was losing pace. They weren't going to pit again. Um, he was going to get behind Hamilton, then he was just going to walk it out and get third place, and it was going to take a third place finish. But then there's hope after he takes that, that um, pit stop, and then, you know, you've got the younger tires in Hamilton and, and the Ferrari and Sainz, and then it's just a speed race. Can they catch him, and you take it out from here? Yeah, I mean, I think immediately for both Hamilton fans wanting him to get a, ra- a uh, win at his home race and Sainz fans who want to see him get his first win, and immediately this yellow flag just looked like a golden opportunity for both. Um Charles Leclerc opting to stay on the hearts, clearly not the right decision. They took a gamble, it didn't pay off, and pretty much you could hear Charles Charles Leclerc realizing that <clears throat> on the radio saying that this feels like it was the wrong decision. And uh it was. I think 
it gave Carlos Sainz a great opportunity to win the race. He immediately pounced on Charles Leclerc and then ran off with the win for the rest of the race. But what really made this race so fantastic was that battle for those second and third podium places between uh, Charles Leclerc, uh, Checo, and Hamilton. That was just beautiful racing all around. <clears throat> and this is this is what I want to talk about. Perez was not talked about. You know, I, I kind of, until that, that pit stop, and then it kind of got injury. Like, it was those top three, and they were separated. There was no one else. I think Lando was in fourth. I don't even think it was Perez. I think Perez had just was, quietly yeah. kept with it that race and was putting in good lap times. The third place was 19 <clears throat> separation, and this yellow flag completely changes it. Gets Perez closer in, and then here's a mix-up. Perez, um, um, Hamilton... Leclerc, tell us what happened and tell us what you saw. I mean, it was just it was just really impressive racing from all of, uh, all three of them. I think Charles Leclerc easily had a disadvantage being on those old hard tires compared to Checo and Hamilton on fresh uh, soft tires, clearly having more grip. But uh, Charles had what would arguably be the best overtake of the season with that move around the outside at Cobb's corner on uh, Lewis Hamilton showing how to keep it clean around Cop's corner, especially seeing last year where that big collision happened between Max and Hamilton, and I think that was a beautiful overtake. I think the three of them were just racing fantastically. I think it was a shame for Charles, who had fought really hard for that race and podium all all day and all weekend, but uh, Lewis and Checo definitely deserved that. Yeah, Checo is really impressive, you know, and he was in fourth, and then Leclerc kind of went off, he gets that third place, and then, you know, in, in the Red Bull, you're going to be faster than the Mercedes, and you just get that second place, and you end up there, and signs impressive, you know, and then is there anyone else lower down, you know, we talked about Verstappen, we talked about some of the letdowns, um, you yeah. know, some of the crashes, how many, how many people didn't finish the race, that's Albon, that's Zhao, that's Russell, did Botas finish the race, I'm or not, you know, I think Gasly couldn't finish the race. So those are those are five racers right there didn't finish the race. Yeah, I mean a lot of people that just didn't finish. I think one, I think we don't want to skip over how impressive a win this one was for Signs. I mean getting that first win was awesome. I think everyone loves to see Signs on the top step of the podium. I will say from a Ferrari standpoint, probably not the best day if they want to keep their hopes of winning the drivers championship up, but. uh for signs and sign supporters, that was that was an awesome, awesome day. I think one guy that's been getting talked about a lot and well deserved was uh, <clears throat> Mick Schumacher. I think Mick scored his first points today and did an excellent job fighting for that seventh position with Max Verstappen. And it's not every day you see a Haas fighting with Max Verstappen's Red Bull. I mean, that was that was something, and uh, Mick was really going for it, and that was impressive to watch. Yes, same as Vettel, you know. Uh, I, you know, I, I saw that um, that that didn't end. Vettel ended behind um, Verstappen in the race, but those two getting at it, I think, you know, I think that was it was the old, you know, top racer versus a new top racer, and like in a bad car, and it's just like that he that you know it was it was cool to see those other racers kind of be able to fight with Verstappen, even though like. You know, it didn't really matter, but, you know, it was exciting. It was... Yeah. No, it was exciting to watch. I mean, definitely not the race for Stappen had hoped for. I mean, still got a nice lead in the, the drivers and constructors for Red Bull. I don't think it's anything he needs to freak out about. Um, 
but definitely a super exciting race. It was a ton of fun to watch. Um, yeah. My question for you is Sainz, <clears throat> the best Ferrari racer, with only nine points behind Charles Leclerc and really pressuring that, and then Perez right behind. Could he be the second racer to finish this after a rusty start, looking not good? And then was just nine points behind uh, his teammate Charles Leclerc and just looking like he's got a, he's got a lot left in the tank. Yeah, I mean, Carlos has been immensely, immensely impressive, especially this weekend. But I will say I just don't think he has the speed to match Charles Leclerc. I think all, all race we saw Charles was faster, I think. <clears throat> Carlos ended ahead because that switched to soft tires, but I think just throughout the season he hasn't had the pace to match Charles, and I don't think he will continue to. Okay, um, I think that's <clears throat> Thank you. Um, and we'll see if we'll see what happens. Uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk to you again for sure. Uh, happy July 4th, everyone, and uh, um, see you um, tomorrow, whenever. Um, thank you for listening, and right. uh, until next time. Thank you for having me. Yep, goodbye.